if it hurts, get it looked at. And if you're exhausted, don't be stupid and try stuff. <laughs> uh, well, that's a perfect tie-in to the next question. Yeah. Which is, yeah. what, what has cycling taught you in life so far? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Stand Up Pedal Action. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Supa. Here on the show, we've interviewed all kinds of professional athletes and amateurs who have done incredible things in their chosen discipline and who also live incredible lives off the bike as well. That certainly applies for today's guest. In a sport where most people make a name for themselves by going downhill, Today's guest is making a splash recently by going up. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm super excited that today on Stand Up Pedal Action, we have none other than Braden Bringhurst. Braden, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. And in honor of this occasion, we also have here in the studio another friend of the show, General Badass, Engineering Ninja, and all-around good guy, Joe Schoolcraft. Hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> Joe, welcome back to the show. We had you earlier on in season one. And the reason we've got Joe here, other than the fact that he's our friend and we like him, and maybe we're all going for a ride after, Braden, sorry you're not in town, uh, is going to become apparent soon enough. But for the two people left in the mountain bike world who have not seen the film 8,600 Feet... We'll go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room right off the bat. Uh, Braden, you've got plenty of films out there that most people who are into mountain biking might have run across one way or another. But most recently, you've done something that I think many people would think of as unbelievable. I actually will admit that when I first heard about it, my response was, no way. Like, that's not really? even possible. <laughs> and that is, for the uninitiated... Today's guest actually took it upon himself to ride up the entirety of the whole enchilada trail in Moab, Utah. We're talking about more than 8,000 feet of climbing up some of the most brutal trail that you can possibly imagine. All of the bits. (laughs) (laughs) And this has proved inspiring to many people on many levels and... As for the details of this and how it all happened, first of all, if anybody's listening and you haven't seen this, go look it up (laughs) right now. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, Canyon Cycles has that on their YouTube channel. You can also look it up. And Braden, you can tell me if I get the site wrong, but it is 8600FT for feet film.com, correct? Perfect. Yeah. All right. Anyway, go look that up and then take a nap afterwards. <laughs> it's exhausting just to watch in a good way. Um, but if you want to know more about some of the specifics, uh, anybody who's listening can go ahead and check out both Vital MTB and the SRAM Changing Gears podcast. I've already put Braden through the ringer on answering a lot of questions about this. So we'll have show notes about that in there. But this thing is utterly incredible. And... I mean, we were stunned when we saw that this was going to happen. Yeah, when I saw the trailer for it, uh, and then saw that you were coming to Colorado Springs, uh, yeah, I was I was so stoked to <laughs> to get to see in in person uh, what this is like on the big screen. Oh, uh, um, well, thanks for being stoked about it. 
Oh. Hard not to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and this is one thing that, you know, when we saw this to begin with, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you just from the beginning when I heard that we were going to get a chance to interview you is mm -hmm. increasingly a lot of people that I know who ride really would never even think about putting any time or effort in the discipline of technical climbing mm -hmm. and the amount of that that you do is mind-boggling so <laughs> the question is why yeah yeah you know i i think um recently in life i i was i did collegiate track and field and uh you know i was specifically a pole vaulter and that was that was awesome but it was so one kind of dimensional and i was always inspired by the decathletes that do 10 events and they had to be good at all of them and so when i kind of came into the space of mountain biking um when i got one of these modern trail bikes i was like wow i mean there is so many different areas that i can improve in and like i didn't want to you know, put myself in one space because I had done that most of my life in like one certain type of 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 competition or or form of you know activity. So I was like, this bike for one is unbelievable. Like there's been decades of experience and R and D and many people have given so much to create the, this modern trail bike. Mm -hmm. and i with respect to all different areas of writing you know climbing is just one of those other areas that i think is really awesome and you know like you look at hans ray you look at chris akrig you look at you know a handful of people that have that have given respect and and done climbing and you know, at the exact same time, I, I respect and, and work on style and jumps, like, and give the same respect to that, too, you know? So, like, I, I look at climbing as just another um, part of of all mountain mountain biking. And so, yeah, it's just, uh, I guess it's it's something I enjoy. It's not all I enjoy by any means. It's just part of the ride. and um. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been it's been fun to figure it out. Well, that is awesome because at least personally that that was super inspiring to me because I definitely started my mountain bike career such and I say that as a complete amateur. There is no career, just my years on the bike. No, I no, it's a, great, uh, yeah. Yeah, in an environment where you didn't ride the trail until you rode the whole trail. And the number oh, of okay. hours of my life I have spent pointlessly, it seemed at times, sessioning one rock over and over and over, you know, at yeah. first that's infuriating. And then eventually something gets under your skin where you just say, I can't leave until yeah. I get that. Yeah. And I wondered as I was watching the film, especially in moments like coming up the snotch, <laughs> which yeah. you've stated more than once that it probably took seven to 800 tries cumulatively. Yep. Yeah. How much of that was just 
the thought of like, I've got to do this for the sponsors or I've got to do this because I told people and how much of that was just, no, I'm going to get that because I tried and I can't quit until it's done. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, the snotch was definitely that feature that, you know, kept me up at night. Like it was, it was so daunting and it was so close Cause I, you know, like a big thing that I've learned is the mental side of, you know, performance. And like, if you're going to do something, you really, and and you, you believe and are giving it your best shot. You really don't have any room for, for doubt or like negative talk, but that snotch was, was so hard that I was completely my back was up against the wall and I had to just, you know, it it was like, I I thought maybe I could do it and then just figuring it out and training and going back and just all these different components led it to actually working out. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a massive breakthrough and if I couldn't have made the snotch, I wasn't going to do the climb. So it was like, it was like, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't even going to attempt the full climb if I, if I didn't get that thing. And it came down to, you know, weeks before, which just intensified the whole situation. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was everything. And if I didn't get it in practice, I couldn't go for it on the day because I know that's not really truly how performance works. You have to figure it out before the day. <laughs> yeah. so, and you did a phenomenal job in conveying the, the tension and the, the mental fortitude that it was taking to continue oh, to go after that. And we, uh, I, I've had the pleasure of watching the film a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. We had a little watch party at the house, which was tons of fun. And every time every time you get it i mean it's brilliant you black it out <laughs> okay uh, but there's cheering involved every time i did have to yeah. ask was that and yeah. you know spoilers for the people who haven't seen it but yeah did you guys actually run out of battery in the camera or is that just for dramatic effect yeah oh, oh my god yeah. well so like you know how it was cut how it died right when i went up that that was you know editing to mm. the story but I mean, that was four hours in when I made that and the battery was long dead for, you know, that there, I only had three batteries and that's an, you know, an hour and a half of flight time. Right. Oh my gosh. So the, the drone was most certainly, and the GoPro was most certainly dead, but we just cut it in a way to show it like, oh, it was yeah, right yeah, dead. Yeah. But, but you heard the audio because I had that yeah. lapel mic and that was recording for hours on hours. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was pretty darn accurate but not at the exact moment well this is an interesting jumping off point to one other question that i had as well which is your background educationally Mm -hmm. is in documentary filmmaking yeah so i mean obviously that's going to help you with putting together a story like this which would be pretty daunting to think about like how to capture all this Mm -hmm. but the question that i had is how has that affected your other films that you have made like as a writer because i've dabbled at best 
in some work behind the camera and trying to uh-huh. tell riders, hey, here's what we want out of you. Like sometimes yeah. it can be difficult. How is that affected when you approach a project? So, yeah, I mean, I like that question. Um, first off, you kind of heard me ex- like express my um, my outlook on mountain bikes, like mm-hmm. with the appreciation of where they've come from and how much development and sacrifice people have made to get these bikes where they're at. And um, up to this point, I had never really put myself in the film per se. Like I try to shoot, if you watch my films, you know, a lot of the shots are shots of the bike and I'm typically Mm -hmm. in all black. And like, I try to focus on, there's kind of three areas that I try to focus on. It's the amazing landscape, um, the bike, and then uh, the writing, you know? And uh, that's kind of been like my, I guess, three pillars of like creating this media. I, I love to show what these bikes can do. And it's way bigger than just me. So I try not to, I try to just let the riding be one component. And then the other two have their, have their, uh, their, their stage. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, that's definitely played a role in my, in my little films that I make is this one, this one in particular was hard. Cause I, it was so much about me and my story. And that's why we had to bring in, you know, Kim cross and my wife, Nicole for directing and editing and, um, kind of let them take the reins on that because you can't, you can't, you can't really make a film about yourself, you know? So no, we had to, especially not a film like this. Yeah. So we had to like, okay, like, I, you know, for me, if I was editing it, it wouldn't have had all the backstory about me personally, just cause I don't want to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the bigger picture and what I really wanted to convey was that, you know, here are my struggles and, you know, people can, take those for what those are and then apply them to their own life. And that's just kind of what we had to do. So yeah, I, yeah. I think, I think the whole filmmaking side of it definitely, definitely helps, um, helps me kind of move forward with like a showcasing and, and, making the story bigger than just about myself. Cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about. Yeah. I don't know. Which is one thing that I think is hilarious because you did note in a couple of other interviews that the two things you say, you don't want to make it about yourself and you usually don't want people to notice you, but you've had a career where you did door to door sales and a two year yeah. mission with your church, both of which seem like they involve a lot of being noticed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anyhow, in the interest of not pointing at you, we're going to yeah. talk about the bike for a second. And yeah. this is where I'm going to hand it over to Joe, because yeah. when we started talking about this film and what we saw when Joe was with us watching it, some really fun stuff came up. Yeah, I yeah. mean, first off, Braden, it was it was super cool and uh, super humbling to get to uh, watch you do what you did, uh, knowing you were writing product that I got to play a part in uh, developing. So thank you for that. And uh, 
it was just totally it, honored. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> it was just super cool to see uh, that system get pushed the way you pushed it. Um, like, I mm-hmm. think it's safe to say, like we we test rode that system a lot, and like that system yeah. has been down the whole enchilada trail plenty of times. You know, on, on, under mm-hmm. plenty of different people. Um, but mm. I can honestly say that you did things with that, uh, with that setup that I don't think anybody else has ever done. I mean, I mean, pulling from some of your other videos, uh, like wonder, uh, yeah. I don't, I think I'm pretty sure I can safe to say you're probably the first person to backflip flight attendant. Um, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've definitely backflipped my bike plenty of times, but not with me on it. <laughs> but, uh, so that's super cool. And, and in doing that, you know, the way you ride Braden is, is you're just, it seems like the bike is just an extension of, of you. And mm-hmm. I guess whenever you hand a part of how the bike performs um, over to a computer, that can be mm-hmm. a little weird. And so my question to you would be, how was it getting used to riding something that kind of does some of the thinking for you whenever you're so in tune with the bike in, on a normal day-to-day basis? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, first off, Joe, like it is a total honor to be, riding some of this cutting edge you know the future product and uh when this whole project was coming about you know like mallory and sarah reached out and they're like hey we have something that we'd love to cue you in on and i was like okay i was like what is it and they're like here it is and i was like oh my gosh this is unreal (laughs) i was like well yeah like let's give it a shot let's see how it goes and uh and I started using it uh, a little bit in training, and then uh, and then kind of learning how it works and 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 those things. And then and then yeah, I mean I I had done uh, months of training with it, and had done forty, you know, thirty, forty, forty plus mile rides, mm-hmm. and I really was like, okay. Like I can see when you're pushing for me, my limits, I can see how it helps. Um, it helps that endurance aspect of it. And yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't complicate or cloud your brain because you only have so much brain power. And, and when I'm out riding, I just, I really just want to be focused on the riding and uh, being able to, uh, you know, um, ascend with a bike that's maximum efficient and then descend with a bike that's maximum plush and, and performance for descending. It's pretty rad. And that's kind of what I noticed before the big day. And, uh, cause first off, I absolutely, I hate, truthfully, I, I don't like technology. Like I, I like <laughs> to use, I like to use technology that helps me do my craft you know like Mm -hmm. um like i love apple because historically speaking they're kind of changing now but historically speaking they've been so intuitive and easy um and i i really really like that because i like to i like my focus to be on the performance and uh so the flight attendant I, I learned by riding it for months where it shined and how it helped in the big ride experience. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it, it kind of just evolved 
to where I knew where it was going to help me. And I knew for this particular climb where I would have to, I would have to make adjustments. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's something really special with it and it's definitely has its place. Like I personally, I didn't use power meters. I didn't use heart rate monitors. I didn't use anything, uh, because I wanted to learn and develop the confidence on the ground, on the rocks. Cause it was so its own thing, you know, it wasn't like I could do workouts and then go there and, and execute it. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's a lot, that's a lot of words, but I hope that kind of, <laughs> No, honestly, that's totally that that's uh, that's honestly super great to hear because, you know, when we set out to 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 design this thing, the whole point was you just you don't want to honestly, we want it to disappear underneath you and and you just don't Mm -hmm. have to think about it. And Mm. um, so to hear you say that is a is a big green check mark on that, which is uh, always encouraging. Um, And obviously, we're always improving and trying to make things better. But um I guess on the day of, how often yeah. were you uh, were you overriding it? And because I know, like, I mean, no matter how good a system is, like, there are times where it's you just need to turn it off and and, and get, mm-hmm. get set it up manually. Um, so, how often yep. were you swapping back and forth between the different modes and settings? Um, so it really, so on the day, it really came uh, handy for the mundane, distant segments of the trail you know like we're talking like mundane, jeep road parts mundane on that trail though is still pretty rugged um so the fact that the bike was switching between lockout and trail was great because it wasn't just completely beating me up mm-hmm. um but you know the the fact that it was helping be a little more efficient through that stuff and thinking for me was was awesome um the parts where I had to override it really was the first, basically you saw when I, if you've seen the film, there's the banger and mm-hmm. then the snaggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically the first two miles, um, it's so rugged and gnarly that, uh, I just needed the bike to be full open. Right. And so full open. And then, and then as soon as I got past the snaggle and it was just that, you know, 10 mile, 10 plus mile, just, uh, foot to three foot ledges up the Jeep road. Um, it was in the automatic. And mm-hmm. then once I got to this notch, it was over, overridden to fully open. And I actually made some actual adjustments that I had to like learn and figure out prior to the climb. Um, and then as soon as I made this notch, uh, the pressures went back in. I, I let off the rebound and, uh, the bike was back to its normal settings and it was back in automatic all the way to the top. So, um, yeah, there was really the first two miles and then the snotch was all overridden and everything else was in automatic mode. That's awesome. That's uh, super cool to hear. Um, if you don't mind, I'm super yeah. curious. Uh, you, you mentioned uh-huh. you started playing around with settings uh, and changing some settings on your suspension uh, for the yeah. snatch. Would you be able to dive into that a little yeah. bit and tell us a little more about that? Yeah, you bet. So um, that thing was really, like I said, um, giving me nightmares because it was just so, 
it was so hard to to develop confidence on it because for one it's like about nine hours from my house and (laughs) uh and it was just it was so it was so brutally complicated um and like i said i i well i hate general just just too much technology like too too much it just complicates my experience uh but i also hate touching my bike like touching my bike is something that uh i've always disliked you know switching knobs uh open closed uh half the time i get down the trail and i screwed up half my descent because i forgot to unlock it (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) um and it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to climb with it open, you know? And so for years I've climbed with everything open and um, kind of just, you know, once I get my suspension, like I can ride like these settings, everything else in uh, on this climb other than the snotch in the first few, uh, well, even in the first few miles, it's just open. But other than the snotch, the rest of this climb, my bike is set up identical pressures in the suspension the tires everything that i go and hit all of whistler in um i hit all the dirt jumps in my local town i hit everything so i really do not touch my pressures and settings um so when my my buddy and the endurance coach said hey and kyle mears said you know i think we need to touch the bike for the snotch uh, it just got to the point where I was like, okay, like, let's, let's do it. Let's figure it out. And so, uh, we started with, um, dropping the, the tire pressures. And so we went all the way down to 11 PSI front and rear. That is insanely <laughs> uh, yeah. low. Yeah, it was incredibly low. And, um, it was like, cause I wanted to just. I just wanted to just fly up that thing, but it was so tight and my pedals had to go between two rocks and, you know, where to put the power down was so already dynamic that I needed all the grip that I could get. So, uh, we went down to 11 PSI in the fork or in the tires. And then in the fork, uh, we didn't touch the shock, um, other than it just being fully open the fork we had to go down to 50 PSI and then we had to turn the rebound. I believe I'm saying it right. We had to turn the rebound all the way on. So it was so super, super slow rebound, super slow, as slow as it could possibly get. Because once I hit that wall, I needed the bike to like suck into the hill and I needed to just put every ounce of power. Cause I only had like four feet that I could get really good traction to get, um, up like the foot crack and then onto the slab at the very top so yeah that's kind of what it took it was super soft and sluggy fork and then 11 psi uh in the in the tires you basically made a rock crawler out of your yeah. uh, mountain bike <laughs> yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. yep i did want to ask by the way uh uh-huh. about the choice of bike because, yeah. you know, we just wondered, uh, why the Spectral? Yeah, because it seems, to the uninitiated, maybe a bit extra bike <laughs> for going uphill. Right. Yeah, and I hope it's apparent. I didn't really care about time. Like, mm-hmm. this wasn't something that I was 
trying to set a time record on or anything. Um, I really wanted the focus just being on this is a challenge for me. And this is a mountain that I felt like I could reasonably go after and climb. Um, and truth be told, that's the bike I ride. That's the bike I ride every day. So I wanted to climb it on my bike. And yeah, I'm sure there's other things out there that could have been geared towards going uphill better. But the only thing I did do was I had that fork um, originally set up for 150. So typically that bike is 160, 150, and I had it at 150, 150, um, basically for all, all last year. And now since this climbs over with, and I don't plan on doing that again, I'm up at 160. <laughs> <laughs> Back into fun mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back into fun mode. Not, not an annual, annual climb for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Well, super, super cool. Uh, I would love love to hear a little bit about the training process uh, uh-huh. that took you to the point of being able to do this. And I remember, I, I think it was in your film, uh, uh-huh. it was mentioned that you wanted to train, but still be able to be involved with your family and not have it overtake your life and yeah, it, still be able to accomplish this goal. So how, how was that balancing? What that look like? Yeah, you know, my really great buddy. So his name's Greg Montgomery. He's a endurance athlete, and we just jive really well. Like he's um, he's just such a amazing critical thinker and analyzer. And you know, we had to watch footage of my riding and saying, "Oh, you're spending too much. You're spending a little too much energy where that tire's actually." you know, coming an inch or two above the rock where you could smooth that out. And like all those little micro breakdowns of this, of this climb. But so there was, there was focus on the technique where we were focusing on being more efficient in getting up those ledges and all that stuff. So how much, sorry, I got to jump in. Cause that's super interesting to me that you actually watched film of yourself riding and we're analyzing to the point of like oh i can lift my bike my front wheel two inches lower than i am like how did you even go about making that adjustment on like a day-to-day basis with the with hopping up different rock ledges so yeah so here in uh boise we have a place called eagle bike park and there's like little drops and there's rocks and all kinds of things and we would just film it and then we would analyze it and yeah like i was coming up like three inches above and dropping down onto like one of the medium drops. And we're like, Hey, we could, you know, over the course of this climb, you can save a lot of energy by not adding extra inches on top of everything. So I just worked on being more precise with my wheel lifts and, and jumps and all that stuff. And then I just practiced it every time I'd go ride Moab or ride places. I would try to be as smooth as possible um, on those technical climbs. And you can kind of see when I ride, like some of it was janky just because it was so hard for me, but mm-hmm. uh, most of it's as smooth as I could possibly have gotten it. And this is something you're right. Like it does show not only in this film, but others of you writing. And here I'm mm-hmm. going to tie in something that you've also stated is a really high value for you, which is the clinics and the coaching and the introducing other people to writing. I'm oh, going to yeah. tie these two together right here and say, 
how do mere mortals or those who haven't spent their life tuning their body the way you have get to a point where they can ride that smoothly uphill? What's the first step? <laughs> well, thanks. Um, you know, I, I think just like for one, um, the way I break down a climb is I like to keep like a fluid mo- motion going. And you can only do that by keeping your pedals moving because if you stop pretty quick going uphill, you know, we all yeah. know that. So, <laughs> gravity. Um, yeah, gravity, it works. And uh, so the biggest thing is, is learning a few basics with, you know, front wheel lift and then, you know, compressing and raising up the rear wheel. But just keeping your feet turning and keeping the, the momentum flowing and um, finding, finding a little section of trail and just working on that fluidity, it can be minimally uh, technical, um, but there's just a, a sense of, uh, you know, flow that, that, that when you hit it on the climbs with just keeping the wheels turning, keeping your cranks moving, you know, um, for me, it's just, it just makes that little section of the climb just feel awesome. So I think wherever, whatever you're riding, keeping that, that, uh, that feeling of flow, whether it's a tiny little technical section or a really gnarly section. Um, I think just trying to keep that sense of flow. Um, I think you'll get that stoke and you'll, you'll kind of, you'll get that, uh, that payoff to where you'll want to do more and then you'll just keep getting better because you'll find more technical little climbs that you can keep progressing through or pick different lines um and yeah does that make sense is that is that decent yeah Yeah, absolutely have you noticed since doing all of this training leading up to the climb last year have you noticed Uh an improvement in your riding overall since then like did it stick with you yeah absolutely yeah i mean um like I said, you know, climbing in my world is just one aspect of mountain biking. So the more I've worked on climbing, it's absolutely helped be a better uh, descender. And, you know, the attention to detail that climbing does take, it it rolls over into my jumping and my, you know, line choice and cornering skills and all these things where um yeah absolutely it's it's definitely helped make me a better rider when we're when we're on the topic of style here i uh i just want to note that your your riding style seems to be very unique in that you <laughs> you are very momentum focused and your ability to build momentum very quickly is stunning uh oh, <laughs> but when i when i look at some of the other uh I guess high high level riding out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of trials thrown into it, and when I first heard that you're doing this, I I thought that there would be a lot more trials, especially on things like like the notch or the snaggle. And yeah. your fluidity, uh, I mean, was in a way more more impressive than just hopping up something. Oh <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I don't want to, uh, you know. I don't want to discredit any style of riding because mm-hmm. I think riding is just awesome. So, 
I, I, I know that for me, like, um, there's just a sense of, uh, I don't know what it is, a sense of flow that like, I just crave so hard when I ride. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the, the riders that do have a lot of the trial type skills, um, there's not a doubt in my mind, they could go and do this climb, no problem, and probably way less attempts. Um, but once again, you know, I wanted to do it kind of my way and the mm-hmm. way that gets me stoked. And, um, and so that's what I did. And that's kind of what I've just committed to, um, is climbing in a way that, that I feel that sense of fluid and style. And one of my friends that, um, I really, uh, aspire to be like, I said, you know, what's your definition of style? And he just said, you know, it's a state of flow. And I thought, Oh, that is so cool. And so, you know, my, I guess my style, um, of climbing is just trying to, to keep that sense of flow. And, yeah, there's no, there's no, I don't think there's, the thing I love about, you know, mountain biking is the creative side of it. There's no comparison, like um, somebody that does a certain type of climb and makes it like, that is rad, you know, good for them. Like, there, there's a bunch of climbs that have been done out there in the world that there's no way I could even make those with my style of riding. And that's fine. I don't need to make those, you know, like, I just think, I think I just have to keep being true to like what feels fun and flowy and, and, uh, and the way that I want to portray riding my mountain bike. And, you know, there's no doubt somebody, at least I think somebody will go out there and climb this and do it way faster with less tries. Um, but that really wasn't my goal was to set something like set some bar. It was just me doing something in a way that I wanted to do it. And yeah, it's, it is what it is. That is really cool. And yeah, I appreciate that quite a bit. Um, there's a a really fun book. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called flow, the Mm. psychology of optimal experience. Uh, Mm. and it's by an author that I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> it'll, be in the, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll throw it in there. But I, I'd highly recommend it because it's it's all about that, like the the search, the human search for what could be an optimal experience in every aspect. Um, hmm. And there are lots of different directions that can be taken. Um, yeah, that's cool. It's called flow. Yep, this flow. Okay. I'll take uh, a note. And I I was also wondering. As as you're talking about that that movement up up this climb, uh huh. What what were your riding rules? <laughs> like you can yeah. you can tell that you have like an internal drive that this is this is how I'm doing this. Yeah. What what were those rules for you? Yeah. So the rules that I set for myself was originally, you know, I wanted to make the snotch in one go. Like mm. I, I wanted to make oh, it from yeah. the bottom all the way to the top in one go. And then the reality of 
training and my personal life and just the, my mental energy was was pushed to the limit to where I said, okay, well, I, I will, you know, attempt to ride every, every bit of it, but I might not be able to do the whole, you know, 150 yards or whatever it is in one go. And, uh, and so that's what I did. Basically I wanted to ride every bit of this trail, um, and not have to walk an inch of it. And uh, if I couldn't do that, then I couldn't make the climb. So mm-hmm. I wasn't personally focused, like I said, on doing this in a timely manner. The The strategy and the training all came into effect where, you know, I had to train at ultra endurance pace. So I was doing big rides, very slow. And then I was doing bursty explosive um, moves at the end of those workouts or in the middle of those workouts to replicate what this climb was going to be like, because if I'd push tempo up to the snotch, I mean, that was 4,000 feet in and it was 15 miles. And if I push tempo there, the muscles would have not been, uh, there. Yeah. You would have been blown. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been blown. So I had to be really strategic and that was just the day of, but I had to be really strategic in my, in my preparation and in my training to maximize those two muscle groups, because in mountain biking, there's a major push and I get it, but for like tempo riding, you know, and like pushing time, pushing Watts, pushing all these things, heart rate. And that was not for me. I was not going to be able to make this climb if I went on any of those parameters. So we had to step back, look at different workouts, and one that we kind of decided and, and put into practice was more of like a soccer, a soccer program mm. where you have to be able to run, but then you need to be able to have that bursty speed. And and my coach Greg would know way more, but basically it was just like uh, a full strategy. And I'm so glad it worked out. That, that helps close a gap because it was one of the things that I was thinking about uh, watching uh-huh. the film was exactly that question of you've described yourself as not an endurance athlete, but this is clearly an endurance event. Like the <laughs> yeah. ability to keep putting out that much power repeatedly over yeah. and over and over for hours on end. I mean, yeah. that is no mean feat. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. And that was definitely like credit because my, my buddy, Greg, I mean, he knows where I'm, he knows where I'm strong and he knows where I'm weak. And so he just, I didn't have like, this is where it comes down to like, I have a wife. I have three beautiful kids that I need to be there for. Mm. And this was a bike ride, you know, like I had to rely on other people, other resources, other, you know, means to for this climb to happen and and that goes to, to the making of the film as well like i didn't make this film you know there's a lot of people that helped make it mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things that helped me climb this thing and you know you have to give credit to my mental strength coach you have to give credit to 
um, my coach, Greg, you have to give credit to the people that surrounded me that told me I could do it. You have to give credit to the bike and the product and what it did performance wise. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's amazing to me that it worked out. And when I got to the top of the climb, you know, you see me put my bike there and I just basically say the amount that went into this whole equation is just, you know, unbelievable. So, yeah, that's kind of my outlook. That is definitely, definitely seen. I mean, I'm sure it's just the tip of the iceberg that you're able to convey through the film. Um, but it, sitting there watching that, just it feels like we're journeying along with you to some extent. So you did it. You did it's a great true, job yeah. of conveying that. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I would love to hear mm-hmm. um, with with balancing this this endeavor with with a family um with with it was the day after or the day before that it, your third it was, child was uh, born yeah so it was like i think it was like four or five days after wow <laughs> wow yeah horrible horrible decision right <laughs> i was oh. i mean i was really considering like you know like this is just so silly because I was originally going to do it on October 17th mm-hmm. and we we had to look like there was so much into this thing. We had to look at like when the trail was most trafficked, when was the day that was going to be least trafficked, And then weather wise, what is the first storm coming historically? Like, what, what's a good day? And we set the date for October 17th. And um, I went down there and I got the snotch with mirrors Mm-hmm. And he, I told him the day and he was like, uh, that's not going to work, Braden. And I was like, oh, crap. I was like, well, I mean, our child is coming and that's obviously way, way more important. Mm. And Tori Powers, um, amazing videographer and filmer and photographer, um, was planning to come do this. and he. He was going to film Ethan Nell over at Rampage on the the tenth or something, or the yeah no, like the twelfth or something. It was the week before we were going to film this, uh, the week before the seventeenth, because the seventeenth is a tu- was a Tuesday, and so I was like, well, that's not going to work for him. And so I was like, what would work for you, Tori? I said, would the fifth work? And he said, yeah, the fifth, the fifth should work. It's when I will be driving over to Rampage. So he planned on the fifth and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just too, too much because my wife kind of explained it on the, on the 18th of September was the Boise mountain bike festival, which I'm very heavily involved in. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the 20th we moved and then um like a week or so later um you know Hallie our third was was supposed to be born and then i was supposed to go do this climb and i was like this is just <laughs> what are the chances of this you know and then you know as we just continued to go and i we just continued to focus day by day on the things we needed to do like things were we were ticking them off and checking checking them off and moving to the next thing and then uh you know, Hallie was born and then it was like, okay, I was like, we're at the climb. Like it's in a couple days. How are we doing? 
little Hallie was was healthy and she was sleeping good and you know it was our third and we could already tell that Hallie was feeling quite a bit easier than the first two and because I was like you know what I don't have to do this like I'm totally in a fine spot like we don't have to force this with like the sponsor support we need to push this off for another year being a filmmaker I'm like hey it'll make it a bigger film you know (laughs) (laughs) so like that's all right like there's there's no problem and then Nicole is like look you've trained so hard you're in shape you've prepared, you believe you can do it, just go do it. And so my mother-in-law came and stayed at the house. And then I blasted down there Monday, um, midday with my dad. We fortunately, gratefully, just unbelievably did the climb Tuesday and then was back Wednesday. And it was just like, holy crap, it just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I bet a lot of people are uh, are wondering at uh, some relationship tips there. Yeah. Uh, for, for, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Sure. <laughs> I was going to say, I would mo- not recommend doing that. Most dads I know, the only mountain biking they get is uh, down the nearest bike path with a burly trailer out back. So, yeah, exactly. Wow. No, it's been it's been interesting. Like, I never personally, you know, planned or really wanted to be a professional mountain biker but as the opportunities have come and i've as and as i've kind of followed the passion and and really kind of developed this skill and and i'm able to like trickle it into community development and community giving back it just it just feels so right and so good and yeah it's it's definitely been interesting but it's been really worthwhile to to pursue this. Mm. So I hope I can keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, we hope so too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're adding a lot to, to a really cool world here. Uh, Thank you. And I feel so fortunate just to be part of this, this bike community. Cause it's, it's so fun, you know, like feeling the, the passion, you know, like when I was at rock shocks, feeling the passion behind these products that I get to ride. And, you know, feeling the passion behind the people you meet out there that get to ride their bike on the weekends or whatever. It's just a passion filled industry. So it's Mm. been incredibly fun. And is that some of what drives your interest in the clinics, in the teaching, in that community development? Oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. I love it. And I love seeing people like you mentioned about the climbing stuff, like how can you, how can you get to that high level? And like, I think more than anything, I just love seeing progression, you know? And like the fact that Joe said, Oh, you know, we've developed the suspension. that's taken seven years. It's not perfect, but we're going to keep developing and making it better. Like, I love that. You know, the suspension is the top level stuff, but there's still the mindset of progression and like feeling like a student and feeling progress and feeling that motivation to get better is what I love to see and be around. And so when I do these clinics, you, you're teaching these new riders, you know, really basic things like braking and body positioning and cornering. And there's that feeling of like, yes, like I'm progressing. And that's why I think I love it so much because I can sense 
like people feeling that excitement of learning. So yeah, it definitely feels the passion definitely feels and it's kind of a reoccurring thing that and like the passion, the progression, the community. It's just exciting. It is for sure. I know I, I get the opportunity to coach some high schoolers. Joe and I both do. Um, and then so Jason cool. gets to coach some, some middle schoolers on the side, but <laughs> seeing the progression over the years of when they start oh, yeah. out to, you know, give them, give them a year or two or three or even a month sometimes. And, and they're yeah. almost outriding or outriding us like this. Just, it's crazy how quickly they can adapt. Amazing. That's so cool. Uh, it's only a little bit discouraging internally. But that's that's the pride talking, you know. It's a little bit discouraging, but you know it's pretty dang exciting. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. My pride can die. Uh, that's so cool. And that, as you have mentioned in some of the other interviews, is only part of the motivation behind why you wanted to make this film. And we're going to yeah. get to that here at the end. Um, but before we get to that. Uh, because that might be a bit of a heavy but very important note. Um, yeah. We wanted to close at least with a couple of standard questions that we ask here at Stand Up Pedal Action. So, Josh, okay. take it away. Yeah. Uh, well, our our favorite questions um, are, do you have any wild and silly encounters from your years of spending time on the trail? I mean, we've had people that have hit bears. We've had some uh, emus found in the forest, this kind of thing. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Wild mountain men. Yeah. You know, when I was, uh, you know, being here in Idaho, the, the, uh, the, the hills are covered in cows. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember when I was just really getting into riding. Um, my wife or my dad or somebody dropped me off at the top of the mountain and I was coming down this trail and I was just froth and I was just so stoked and I was out there by myself going down this trail. It's a local trail here in Boise called Dry Creek. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you're kind of in like this dense forest and then this dense shrubbery and, and you're crossing this Creek like so many times. And I, was like, you know, hitting this line and jumping this thing. All of a sudden, just, I couldn't believe that there was a massive white cow just <laughs> right next to the trail. I mean, I probably buzzed its nose with my elbow. And oh. I couldn't, I just remember like thinking, I'm so glad that was a cow and not like a, you know, a bear or something. <laughs> but I remember just being so startled and so blown away that this cow was just right there. And, uh, yeah, the, the more I've ridden mountain bikes out here in Idaho, the more I'm used to seeing cows just we call it the Idaho standoff. If they're on the trail looking at you, it's like, all right, we get his, <laughs> we get his, uh, territory. This is right. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, that uh, would have to be. That would have to be my encounter. Nice. They don't really uh, care to move. Sometimes <laughs> no, they don't care they don't. to move. <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Okay, <laughs> should have seen that coming. Oh, uh, 
That's funny. Yeah. The uh, the next question we usually ask is, uh, what yeah, what was your best day slash worst day? Like, do you have a best day worst day story? Um, oh, like riding. Yeah, yeah, yeah riding. Yeah, like best possible day on the bike, and then the day of your life on a bike that you never want to have back. Oh, the same day, right? Yeah, it doesn't have to be, but it often is. Okay, so yeah, this was this was amazing. This was when I was just getting into riding. I was like to my buddy, I was like, hey, let's go ride every rad trail in Park City. Mm. And let's just go all day. And he was like, all right, let's do it. So we woke up super early. We started over at Deer Valley and rode up and down every rad trail that we could think of. And we got to the end of the day and you know, we were just, we were laying on snow patches. We were just so exhausted, but we were so happy. <laughs> and we were at, um, we were at 46 miles and 8,000 feet of climbing. Oh, nice. And it was my first epic, my first epic ride. And it was so epic. Cause it was, like I said, it was radical downhill rad trails, all of the descending. And we're, we're, we're 46 miles in 8,000 feet. And I do this, we, we get to this little skills park before we head to, for the final descent. And I try to do a stoppy, oh, no. um, off the end of it and like drop, drop in. Uh-huh. And, uh, I go up into the stoppy and next thing I know, I'm sailing over my bars. And I am completely exhausted. And so I can't even like clip out and like react fast. And I'm just like, oh, crap. And I put my arm out and turn my head and just crunch my body into the ground. It was probably, you know, just like a medium drop, maybe like three or four feet. And uh, and then it kind of like was like a downslope. And so. The way that I dropped, maybe I dropped, you know, six to seven feet uh-huh. and just went straight to my arm, to my head and my shoulder and like twisted, um, jumped up, like moved my arms. I was like, okay, like, thankfully, like I'm okay. But um, I just could not believe how awful I felt like. I felt like somebody grabbed my feet, whipped me around, and just bashed me on the on the ground. And uh, yeah, that was like just an amazing, an amazing day, ending ending just with like pure, just devastation you know like, <laughs> i ended up i ended uh, up having to get a bolt in my wrist because i broke my scaphoid oh, yeah. and uh oh. was feeling sharp pains in my back that i never went and got checked out because i was too scared to know what that was oh, don't do that don't and, do that uh, kids That's, he's a professional yeah, yeah don't get do it checked that. out but uh yeah it was like it was exactly what you just asked it was the best 
worst day on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you excellent. did you ride all the way back down with yeah. the broken wrist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I rode all the way back down. I kept riding for like a month because I was like, oh, this wrist is all right. I just got to let it, you know, heal. It's just going to take time. And then they went in and they're like, oh, yeah, it's displaced and broke. And I was like, oh, crap. Because it's job. just that little that little bone in your wrist that's an absolute doozy. Um, cause it's, it, it looks like it works. It feels like it kind of works. And so you very often hurt it more by not getting it fixed early. That's what I did. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, n- note from yeah, the note. word from the wise, <laughs> if it hurts, yeah. get it looked at. If it hurts, get it looked at. And if you're exhausted, don't be stupid and try stuff. That you... uh, well, that's a perfect tie-in to the next question. Yeah. Which is, yeah. what what has cycling taught you in life so far? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think, I think cycling... I think cycling has taught me, and it's a, it's a constant teacher of, like, you know, I can overcome, like difficult things you know and maybe this is like deep but Mm. it's like it's really easy to just uh kind of get in a rut and like biking every time i get to go ride like i have this moment of my mind being brought to the exact present and i get that rider's high by getting out and putting in the work and climbing and uh you know personally whatever i'm dealing with or whatever i'm trying to accomplish it's like a little dose of like you know you can do it like you can you can you know you just climbed a mountain today or whatever i did on my bike you know but like just a little dose of of confidence that i get when i go ride that i think plays a factor in in my in my personal life Mm -hmm. and so yeah i mean it just teaches me daily i can do it and i just love it that that is an absolutely beautiful lesson uh to take away and one that you know we've heard often and many people find you know out there in the woods and that yeah that lesson of yeah i can do this it may seem very small, but obviously mm-hmm. the consequences of losing a hold of that truth in life right. can be very great. Yes. And, you know, here, as we sort of bring this to a close, we wanted to touch on one of the other aspects of the film. Um, and this yeah. is, we may cover this last, but is by no means an afterthought is that mm-hmm. in addition to wanting to inspire people through the film to overcome whatever challenge it is that they have in front of them, whatever that may be. Uh, one of the things that you wanted to do through making this film and publicizing it was bring attention to the issue of mental health, something that is overlooked, especially uh, not only here in the United States, but especially in the outdoor community. There have been many elements of the extreme sports and outdoor community recently that have caught on to this realization that if you don't pay attention to what's going on inside your head, there can be some pretty severe consequences. Um, yes, that is, uh, and something that I'm, I'm grateful for in the way that you made this film. I mean, it's, 
on a, on a surface level, it is just really cool. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing. Thanks. You throwing yourself at a challenge that most people wouldn't even think is an idea, let alone possible. Uh, like most people wouldn't even look at that climb as something to climb, and and yet it it was very easy to tell that there was a much deeper reason for doing this and a much deeper way that you are uh, translating this challenge into a way to take on life in general and a way to honor your your cousin Cody and, mm-hmm. and others who who have taken their lives um, just caught in in the darkness yeah and that I well, I, thank you so much. I thank thank you truly. Um, hopefully, all of us can help be a support and play a part in in trying to reach out to those who who might be caught caught in that darkness at any given time. And that is definitely something that I wanted to want to let you have a chance to speak about a little more, Braden, because you yeah. know I, I too have uh, lost friends to suicide Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. obviously anybody who uh watches the film or listens to any of your other interviews will hear that uh you know you have walked through that darkness of losing friends and family who have uh decided that they've hit the end of the road um so you know no no agenda here just whatever comes to mind like just what what do you wish people knew (laughs) about mental health both those who are struggling and those who might know someone who's struggling Yeah. You know, like I, when I originally kind of thought of this whole concept, you know, it's like, I, and, and I didn't, I didn't shy away from my upbringing as a kid, you know, like there's no, there's no doubt about that. I've had an extremely privileged life and I've had so many resources help me to to be where I'm at today. Um, I've been incredibly fortunate and incredibly blessed. And in the process of, of that, you know, I know personally how hard life feels sometimes. And, you know, like I've, I've faced major self doubt and major self belief issues. And, And, you know, I think about so many people out there in the world who are absolute legends, heroes, people that are getting, you know, they're not getting any credit. They're not getting any glory. And the things that they're doing day in, day out is just absolutely inspiring. And, um... And that's one of the motivations for this was it doesn't necessarily um, it doesn't necessarily have any like one message to to it. Um, mental health, I think, is like you said very much um not given the priority and the respect and mutual 
um, emphasis that I think it needs to have. Um, you look at how working out is viewed, and that's wonderful. But you look at how mental health practices and mental health emphasis with, you know, workplace, uh, college, and there's just a stigma to it that seems negative. Yeah. And, and I believe that, you know, mental health and daily activity for your mind is as critical as eating or working out or sleeping. And um, the problem is it's really hard to find really good resources and really good practices and really concrete things that help with it. Um, and so that's why I really wanted to share the the stuff particularly from Dr. Manning was he is a mental you know he's a sports he's a he's a mental coach is basically what he comes down to because when he was young he went in and he was like diagnosed with like uh like you know OCD uh perfectionism and and that was all he got. And he's like, well, what, what is there to do? And there was nothing there. And like, he said, fine, I'm going to spend the rest of my life figuring out a formula and I'm going to do it on the most in-depth level possible. And he's developed, you know, like these practices that help so much. And give you day in, day out, like, practices that are practical and doable um, that really make a difference. And so, you know, there's mental illness, which is absolutely important and, and needs to be worked through. And, and you need to see, you know, a um, psychologist and get the right prescriptions. But there's also an element for just general mental health and and curating the mind to think certain ways and that's exactly what you know I tried to show in the film was I'm no I or nowhere close to being a mental expert in my personal life but for this climb I tried to do my best to like give it everything I had and not let my mind waver. And, uh, and that was what was accomplished because of it is the climb happened. And so, you know, just, just giving emphasis, giving attention to the mind and mental health and mental health practices and, you know, my cousin Cody that's like I said, you know, it's something I, I have to work through, but him taking his life, you know, I just wish so badly I could, you know, it's not going to take his problems away from him, but I wish so badly I could have shared some of the things that I've been fortunate to learn. And so making this film, it's been, it's been 
absolutely amazing the messages that I've gotten from people all over the world. Mm. And, you know, some are, are mental battles people are struggling with. Some are physical. And the one that I'll just say, like, this guy from um, New Zealand, uh, like six months ago, he crashed on his bike and, and you know, struggled or um, had a spinal cord injury. And this is where I know that this message is just way bigger than me. And it's something that, that so many people helped create was this man said, I watched your film and it gave me the strength and courage. And today I took my first steps and, um, you know, like I was just like, Oh my gosh, like that is amazing. And like, I can't take credit for that, but this this beautiful message that was crafted by like so many people that have poured their passion into what they do in, you know, wanting to give back to humanity is just, it's just a beautiful thing. And I, and I think that like the, the more emphasis and focus and deliberate actions towards creating a a more welcoming and inviting and warming space for mental health. I just think the better that we're all going to be able to help each other, understand each other, not judge anybody, be less, be more tolerant and less judgmental. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, it's obviously something I feel really passionate about, but clearly thanks so much for the chance to speak about it because we're just lucky to be here, lucky to have these amazing bikes and each other and mm. all these things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, thank you for sharing, sharing that passion, that heart. Uh, there's such a, a beauty in it. And like, like I mentioned, the, the deeper, deeper level behind just riding, riding a bike for fun. Um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful to you for, for taking the time to share that through your film and and your story and being vulnerable in that way. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> it means a lot. Mm. It's definitely scary. Yeah, I imagine. Um, well, for, for anybody listening who may be struggling with any kind of mental issue or depression or the thoughts of suicide, there are resources out there um i just i want to encourage you that there is always hope it may not feel like it but there is always always hope and some of the practical resources um there's a suicide hotline it's just 988 um which there's always somebody 24 7 no matter where you are um who can who can talk to you in the moment and there's also something really cool that brain was sharing a bit about um do you want to put a plug in for the um yeah the promotion yeah i'd love to thank you um so you know just the goal of of raising awareness and and spreading that message is is uh gratefully the brands that i get to ride for um have helped create a bike that's 
the the bike basically that I rode up this climb on, which is a Spectral 29. And it's a full um, SRAM RockShox zip build. So it has flight attendant. It has all of the best parts. Um, but it's going as a fundraiser to raise funds for um, the crisis text line. Because sometimes it is hard to, you know, make that call. But there's a, a text line that um, is doing really great things. And um, it's it's got suicide help, but it also has lots of other ways of helping with with struggle and so um this bike will be going up for raffle uh throughout next year and we're going to raise as much as we can for the text crisis um tech or the crisis text line and if you want to find the link if you go to youtube and do the 8600 feet it's in the description of the video you know about three fourths down um, you can find that. So, and we will put that um, in our yeah. show notes as well. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know that's that's kind of a heavy heavy area to end on. Uh, that's okay. But that's good you know, stuff. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Um, again, so so grateful um, just for your your heart in this and your willingness to to take the time to to talk with us and share share more of the process. Um, you're, oh, thanks for having me. Oh, such an honor. Yeah. And, uh, here in the studio, Joe, thanks for coming by. Oh, it's been an absolute thanks pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for everything, Joe. <laughs> keep crushing it, man. It's amazing. <laughs> well, well, we'll keep doing what we can. So thank you a lot, Brayden. I yeah. really appreciate it. Brayden, thanks so much for being yeah. on the show. Yes. Thank you all. If you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.